Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined, as always, by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1G. K-U-R-T. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. I had an awesome time this weekend. It was the weekend that I tried to not allow myself to think could happen because I didn't want to be disappointed. Sure. It happened. And I'm like, I'm honestly kind of sad today on Sunday that the weekend's over. I mean, I imagine you had a great time. Friday night, which we'll get to, obviously. Amazing blast. game. I, I wish it was a better game personally, but I... I understand that. Yeah. Um, and then, so then you wake up Saturday, and and as I predicted, I felt great when I woke up Saturday and uh, uh, had the house to myself, mostly, just me and my boys, um, which helps to help to my overall uh, joy of enjoying the Saturday. And then the football was not fantastic, as far as Big Ten football is no. concerned, we will get into it. Overall, not a lot of great games, really. But because the smorgasbord that is college football, there's always something else to click on. Um, and then just on a personal note, as far as me and my special friend, I was in Fuego yesterday. So nice. like every game just somehow turned out to my, not every game, but almost every game. I don't know, man. Uh, life is short and weekends like that is what it's all about. And it was fantastic. So I went up north yep. to a buddy's cabin. Kind of was disappointed because it rained the whole time. But well, at least you get to sit inside and watch a lot of football. Man. I mean, there's just three dudes sitting around drinking beer and watching football. It was pretty, still pretty awesome. I would say that's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the football, another crazy weekend. It happened again. So here is some of the, the data. Uh, Saturday was the 24th single day in college football history in which nine or more ranked teams lost. Wow. Uh, Notre Dame got beat by Cincinnati. Florida, somewhat surprisingly, got beat by Kentucky. Okay, for the SEC, though, they'll just get a you know Kentucky bump now. Arkansas uh, got absolutely boat raced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ole Miss got absolutely boat raced, yeah. both by SEC teams, Georgia and Alabama, obviously. Oregon, number yeah. three, Oregon, getting... Beat somewhat handily by Stanford. The one thing I would point out, Oregon had a lot of dudes out in that game. Injury, their offensive coordinator was out. There was a lot of goofy things happening, but still, Oregon got beat. Texas A&M got beat by Mississippi State. Um, Quick rant, but I had to listen to other podcasts and people prop up that mediocre Texas A&M team. They were never good this year. No. They should have never been given Why, all the excuses. I don't understand what, what what was it about the team that they just expected they're suddenly going to compete for the playoff. I don't understand. They just kept making excuses. for. I mean, they barely beat Colorado. And I know transitive property, but when there is such a contrast of situations, what I'm talking about, they barely beat Colorado. Minnesota comes in and boat races them. Yep. That's not a red flag. It would be for most conferences, but Texas A&M can no longer escape it now. They're not even in the top 25. Baylor got beat uh, by a good Oklahoma State team, so that's not such a big deal. UCLA gets beat last yeah. night by Arizona State. I was on that one. That was fantastic. And the hot Fresno State Bulldogs, they get beat too. So carnage. So Let there be carnage. Okay. I realized that Arkansas had a really nice resume, right, leading up to this weekend. I obviously got boat raced. But they'd beaten Texas, and they'd beaten uh, 
Well, I guess they'd beat Texas A&M, right? So, which doesn't look quite Cur- as good. Yeah. Okay. So the Texas win looks better and better. Yeah, it looks now. better and better. Yeah. But uh, what, the point I'm about to make is, if a so Arkansas, I think we can all agree, is is basically been trash in the SEC for a good 10, 15 years. Is that fair? Fair. Okay. Take Purdue, there Illinois, Big Rutgers. Big if they had the same resume, would they be ranked? What were they ranked? Eight. They got. They were ranked uh, eighth. Yes, they got all the way up to eight. Okay, off of if, what? If Illinois had that resume, right. would they be ranked number eight in the Absolutely country? Not. No, of Absolutely course not. not. And and Iowa would have beat a rank a eighteenth ranked Maryland team if the SEC rules applied to them. Um, right. Uh, one last thing to to point out the the thirty four losses by ranked teams is the most through five weeks. All time, no and kidding. the AP poll goes AP poll goes all the way back to 1936. That's a Phil Phil Steele tweet. So well, I mean, we, we are literally, but it's what we expected. But I guess I didn't expect it to be that crazy. And it's 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 exceeding our crazy levels yeah. that we even put out. But yeah, you 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 know you're onto something right there. That obviously a ton of of um, people have been uh, uh, non SEC fans. If I can read a tweet of my own real quick, just because it's gotten a lot of traffic. Uh, So over and over, I've heard from pods and tweets that the big has quote unquote, an Ohio state problem uh, because of the Buckeyes dominance, which by the way, I'm not debating. Sure. (laughs) Buckeyes have dominated the big 10. Now Iowa and Penn state are three and four. Michigan is in top 10. Sparty is 11th. Mm -hmm. And Oh, by the way, Ohio State has rebounded yes. nicely. So now the new narrative after just a couple tweets and a couple podcasts that I've already heard, there's no elite teams. No elite teams. So it just it is absolutely amazing how the narrative can just oh, yeah. morph. It's just, just like an amoeba. It just changes for whatever it needs. Yeah. To you be. just make it whatever you want it to be. Um, one thing that I would like to point out, because I'm not sure if, if I've been as clear about it or or you for that matter, but the the Big Ten East is Head and shoulders above the Big Ten West yes. right now. I mean, there, the, there is the Big there's Ten not had, a way to debate that right no, now. The Big Ten has a West problem, is what they have right now. I right would, now, yes. Now the thing is, is then you sit there and you think about that and you break it down. I mean, I I don't think Illinois is much different than what we had anticipated, right? Uh, Purdue challenging Notre Dame but not beating them is not. So Purdue's a black probably a little better than I expected. Okay. So does this really come down to Wisconsin and uh, uh, the the Minnesota loss to Bowling Green? If you literally just take how yeah, the but no, Northwestern no, is is crap this year, I think you got to factor that in. Okay, that's fair. Um, Nebraska, not that we expected them to challenge in the West, but they've probably underachieved a little bit, wouldn't well, you say? Till recently, but yeah, well, I mean, we'll I mean talk maybe about the, right. This but, week's different, but yeah, I mean, there's. The, I, I just kind of wonder how much of the weight is just put on Wisconsin. You know, if I'm Wisconsin sure that's a lot in of some it. capacity would have beat Notre Dame, they would have still be ranked and, you know, maybe not after right. Michigan, whatever. But I'm just trying to break it down. With that being said, to accentuate the positive, from top to bottom, the Big Ten East, hands down to me, is the best conference division, excuse me, I mean, in college football. It's certainly super deep. Look, look at the SEC that, right now. There, but, the, I mean, there's no... You can make an argument... That in the the SEC, like who's the second best team in the SEC West right now? I, I, mean, I don't even know. I wouldn't even know where to start. And and in the SEC East, I mean, you've got Florida or uh, much uh, Georgia at the top, and then Kentucky. Which I, I'm sorry, I watched the Kentucky 
uh, uh, who they play? Kentucky, uh, Florida. Florida. Eh, it was okay yeah. football. Yeah. And then I watched Auburn, Florida. Eh, or Auburn, LSU. Uh, Auburn, LSU. Yep. Uh, these weren't fantastic looking football contests. Mm. They weren't aesthetically pleasing. It'll be interesting to hear no. from a certain podcaster what kind of excuses they'll get. But... <laughs> and, and to go back to the Big Ten East and focus on them, if you're if your worst teams are this Rutgers team and this Indiana team, that's a pretty deep conference. Absolutely, it is. And deep Maryland division. too. I know it wasn't a great showing Friday night, but it it definitely is. And then just comparing even the Big Ten West, uh, but I mean certainly the East to to other conferences not named the SEC. Okay. There is no undefeated teams left in the entire Pac-12. Every team's got a loss. There are the only undefeated team left in the entire ACC is Wake Forest. I do think Wake Forest is a pretty good team, but not necessarily the bell cow. Um, and then the Big 12, you've got um, um, Oklahoma, Oklahoma just Oklahoma looks State. kind of... And, and yeah. neither one of them you believe... No, neither one so of them So I guess what straight. I'm saying is that kind of eh feel that you just gave me right there, Yeah, it, it, it's pretty That's much point. all across the board. It's point. not just the Big Ten West. I don't know why they, they're such a lightning rod for stuff like that. But kudos again to the Big Ten East. And I do understand from a Big Ten East fan's point of view, okay? Let's pick out Michigan State, okay? You could also do Michigan, Penn State, whatever. But if one of those teams were in the Big Ten West, they would be thinking to themselves, we essentially have one challenger to us winning a Big Ten West right. title, which is Iowa. So I do understand that why that would garner frustration from a Big Ten East fan. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. That being said, should we get into the games? Let's do it, man. All right. We had eight games this weekend, one on Friday, seven on Saturday. First game up on Friday, October 1st, Iowa 51 Maryland, 14, the Hawks with 428 yards of total offense to the per to the Terps, 271. For any Terp fans in attendance on Friday night, that was hell in the shell. <laughs> yes, it was. I wonder how Helen Shell felt about that one. I haven't haven't seen our I have not on, looked him up on Twitter, on Twitter. And I'll have to admit I've been tempted, but um, anyways. Okay. I want to start with this. We know that Tory Taylor's a weapon. We talk about it, right? We know that Charlie Jones returning the ball is a weapon. So we, we've talked about their special teams as weapons. I'm now starting to talk about the Iowa defense as a weapon. Yeah. And I'm going to start referring to can other can other offenses outscore the Iowa defense? I know they weren't like scoring the ball, but they were basically getting the ball to allow their offense to score. So, like, for next week, can Penn State outscore the Iowa defense is my is how I'm going to start referring to it. And, and, their, and, their and, I, and I, I don't – the way you said it to me, I don't take it as a slap in the face as a Hawkeye fan. I, I don't think you meant it like that, right? I only mean it as a compliment. Okay. I mean, this is yet another weapon that's not that's, – it's not what you usually think of as a weapon, right? Right. You think of a Jahan Dotson as a weapon. No, no, no. The Iowa defense is a weapon. It is, and I appreciate you saying that. It's just – of every fan base is defensive about something. Right now, the the general uh, thought process that Iowa fans hear from the Twitter sphere or from podcasts, uh, call-in shows, whatever, is, you know, they just can't turn the ball over like this every week. Like, they right. can't rely on their defense all the time. And I don't think we're going to get seven, seven-minute abs, man. <laughs> seven. Seven turnovers every game, obviously. Right, right. But they did show a graphic during the game uh, on FS1, I'll get to the crew later after we break down the game. Um, but since 2018, 
Iowa is number one in the country mm. for turnovers forced. I think at the time they were nine turnovers ahead of the second place team, which was Alabama. Okay. And I'm almost positive they got two or three more. Okay. After they showed that. So we're talking a, a potentially double wow. digit lead that Iowa has. That is consistency. Okay. And then from my other, from a, a, you know, Iowa defenders point of view, what is Dane Belton not supposed to run the route for the receiver because he's, they've done such a good job breaking down Maryland's route tree. Cause that's what I saw. Right. I saw a D back that knew what the route combo was on the down and distance, ran the route and picked the ball off. Right. I see Jack Campbell being a six foot five, rangy linebacker See, that tall. is able to draw yeah, that's able to drop back in coverage get a hand in the air yeah. tip it and lead to a pick these weren't just he fell down sure. and threw the ball up and it was a lucky pick maybe the first one but the other six they were forced turnovers i don't know it's just it's a it's a learned taught skill at some point and the offense looked I mean, it's coming around. It's improving. I know they were putting a lot of good situations in this game. But first of all, Petrus, if he can play like this every week, I mean, then you've got a Big Ten contender here. 21 of 30, 259 yards, three touchdowns, zero pick. He added two on the ground. That is five yeah. total touchdowns right. for Spencer Petrus. We're going to talk about and him the other later thing I on the podcast. Point- and speaking of good... Tyler Goodson, 151 yards of total offense and a touchdown as well. I wanted to point out Ivory Kelly Martin is fine. He he seemed like he was doing a disappearing act, and he had a few really good carries. Yep. So that's I I just like seeing a second back given contributing that much. Absolutely. Um, Came up with 62 yards and only eight carries. You know, in the game, uh, Tulia Tonga Viola, the uh, the offense came out. They looked good. Early, I mean, they went kind of down the field on the first possession, and it was. I and then it looked like it was going to be a game, and then Iowa kicks a field goal, and then they go back and went right down the field. Iowa defenders were missing tackles. It was seven to three. Iowa came back and then got it to ten to seven. I mean, at that point, we were deep into the first quarter. I just was settling in and saying, "This is going to be an amazing." I thought so. Game tonight. But and I then, thought Maryland was going to be able to put up points, and they, you know, they got off to that great start. I thought I'm going to nail this game. Wrong. And that's when Phil Parker says, "Well, I've had enough of this." Uh, if you notice, there was no sacks, not very many tackles for loss in the game. They dropped in passing lanes. They just sat back and waited yeah. for Tulia to make mistakes, and then forced Tulia to make mistakes to the tune of 16 of 29, 157 yards, two touchdowns, Ooh. but five interceptions he went from something like having 129 quarterbacks in d1 ahead of him with less interceptions to second in the country in interceptions by the end of the game that's an astonishing stat (laughs) that's incredible and then the backup came in and even he He threw threw a pick pick as well and i you know but i do want to say even i I believe at the time it was 17 to 7 um it could have been 10 to 7 i i can't remember but uh, Dante Demas went back to return yeah, the boy, kick. He's already so, having a good game. Right. So number one, it looked like a hyperextended knee to uh, me. I, I Not that that's good, but I hope it's not horrible. But that game turned right there. It was not. Absolutely. It was, a, it was one of those, you know, it almost kind of reminds me of, of uh, a targeting call. Not only do you give up, you know, the defense got the, the offense off the field. Yep. So not only do they... The other team get the first down. You get the player thrown out, all the momentum. 
that's what happened on that Dante Demas because yeah. not only does one of, if not their best offensive weapon go down, they turn the ball over right there. I'm pretty sure that made it 24 to seven. Yeah. Two plays after that, when Iowa scored, essentially the game was over at that point. Uh, um, Tulia Tonga Viola pressed and then the, the, the errors happened after that. Yeah. So I'm still looking for locks getting his first win in a big game. I, that was one of the things I was looking at going into this game. How is locks going to coach? on the on a big scene like that didn't didn't turn out all that well no. for locks but then i just want to point out maryland still has a lot in front of them absolutely they still have winnable games on the schedule they they're still they're still trying to get to a bowl and that's very attainable as, and, and as far as having a lot in front of them uh one thing that i think i've i can say about maryland is they need to be in front as that is yeah when they get behind the yeah. response from the team I Not know. good. I, there, there's it's, a term for that I won't use here, but but let's I just call say it, I call it poopy diaper. <laughs> it was there was poopy diaper ish <laughs> things going on. Maryland's fast start to football games is going to be something that needs to happen as the year goes yeah. on. With that being said, they do have a very athletic defense that can yeah. get pressure. The passing attack is still going to be there. They are going to crease a couple more defenses before this year is out. I still think. This is a pretty good team. At the very least, this is a bowl team. I think that, so. That, that I think. I mean, so. they still got Minnesota on their schedule. They still got Indiana on their schedule. They gets it gets does get kind of tough. Both the Michigans and they finish out with Rutgers. But there's winnable games still left. So, lot to lot to play for. With the win, Iowa moves to five and zero with a big game coming up. With the loss, Maryland drops to a still dangerous four and one. Last thing I want to say is Tim Brando and Charles Tillman were on the call for FS1. Okay. Woof. <laughs> so it's fun. I kept seeing stuff on the Twitters, but I was with two buddies, so we weren't even listening to the call. We were just watching the game. What were they saying? I, I mean, I know. bet you Charles Tillman said something about a two-deep Spencer shell. Tillman? Sp- Spencer Tillman? Spencer Tillman, excuse me. Okay. Hey, I'm sorry. Spencer Tillman. I bet he said something about that two-deep shell. I was two-deep shell like 45 times. Like Why? He just couldn't. I don't, I don't know. He just couldn't get off of it. And then like... Um, Tim Brando, like at least Tim Brando is kind of like, I liked him. I, 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 liked I do kind of like Tim, but he's like, Oh, we put him in the spin cycle. You know, he just still <laughs> yes. goes, he just still goes back to the right. Right. Like the old, it's got corny like phrases. Yeah. But I love like, Tim. He's like, how do you do like just stuff like that? Right. Just, just weird, weird stuff. Like he's trying to be like, you know, Gus Johnson says stuff uh, yeah, that and it yeah. just seems cool. Right. Yeah, yeah. Tim Brando says it and it's not so cool. <laughs> But in an endearing kind of way. Well, I know you still and end I up like maybe the guy. if you if you got him with somebody a little bit different. I don't know. Spencer Tillman just doesn't do it for me. But uh, anyways, all right, moving on. We got seven games on Saturday, October second. First game up, Minnesota twenty, Purdue thirteen. The Gophers with two hundred ninety four yards of total offense to the Boilermakers four hundred and forty eight. The conditions were very wet, very damp. In this game, we had cheerleaders jumping in puddles on the side. You know, it was a crazy of, day. I, it occurred to me as I was watching this game. It seems like it rains a lot in West Lafayette. Ab- absolutely, dude. What am it, I? I swear, uh, rainy conditions attract Purdue Boilermaker football yeah. like nothing. Because two years ago, Illinois played in there. Same thing. Yeah, it was, right? a, it was a monsoon. But yeah. okay, so I want to clarify also about the field because okay. I heard I saw a lot, a lot of chatter lot of on, on Twitter about people <laughs> bitching about the. I'm not talking about to play on. I'm talking about how it looks on TV. Right. Because even you watch the Penn State game, 
it doesn't, it looks fine, but it doesn't stand out. You watch, um, I don't know, what, what's the, uh, Northwestern I had mentioned. There's, their field doesn't look great. And of course you're picking out actual grass. Yeah. Looks what I, really The point good. I was trying to make is I thought you were jinxing them because with every cut on that wet turf, you could just see mud flying. And well, all. I mean, I guess I will say it doesn't seem to hold up well to the rain. I don't think any field does when you get a deluge of, of rain like that. I mean, and then you got, you know, 300 pound guys running around. So. Right. Anyways. So you want to hear something funny? I think I said this on the last podcast, but I decided about Tuesday of last week that I was going to predict 20 to 13 for this game. Oh, did you really? Which was the score. And I just want to say to the listeners, like I'm usually more, you know, there, there's a process for lack of a better term. It's corny term, but that I go through when I pick these games and come up with the score with this one, I just saw low scoring mm-hmm. and I'm like, I think the winning team's going to win by about a touchdown or a field goal. So I settled on 20 to 13 and I couldn't make up my mind if I wanted Purdue and Minnesota. I literally flipped a coin heads for no kidding. And it landed tails for Purdue. So I picked, Oh, you picked Purdue. That's how Purdue. I did it. Okay. So if it would have landed on heads, I would have nailed the score in the winner. In this case, I only know only nailed the score. Um, so for this game, they were very evenly matched teams. I, I mean, there was, two or three series at a time where I thought Purdue was going to win this game. There was two or three series at a time where Minnesota was going to win the game. But in the end, obviously Minnesota made the plays. The one thing that I think Minnesota fans are, our friend of the pod, Ryan Burns has pointed out that they need to get more aggressive and throw the ball down the field that we haven't seen a ton of that ironic that the game they do it in is in the conditions that we just laid out. Yeah. But those, those field flipping plays that Tanner Morgan threw up, those were the difference in this game and why uh, Minnesota was able to pull this out. Yeah. Tanner looked like a different quarterback is nine of 18, 169, one touchdown, no picks. I, I was really impressed by Michael Brown. Stevens. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. That guy came out of nowhere. Yep. By the way, another, Hyphenated name: Michael yep. Brown, Stevens, Chris Altman, Bell, Brevin Span, Ford, Micah Treadway, uh, Mariano Soria, Marin. It's they amazing. Love their hyphens. They love their. I don't. I don't think they were. Their number one thing. You know, they 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 go speed, size, hyphen. Those are the three things. You know, you got to have to get on the PGA. I think it's got to be a thing. Like, <laughs> it is a did thing. you know that Brad Underwood, the Illinois head coach for basketball, he loves lefties for some reason. Really? Like, we're the, the basketball team's full of left-handed shooters. Maybe he thinks it's weird to defend because it's a little bit. I guess. Yeah. Anyways, um, yeah, Tanner Morgan. I don't know about, you know, all of the, the kinks are worked out, but suddenly the deep ball looked better. Yeah. Um, and then I would say the difference in this game is what is typically the difference in the game when Purdue is involved is the rushing attack. Did Minnesota just absolutely jam it down their throats? I actually no. thought they did a pretty good but job they did defending good. the run. They uh, I thought Purdue did Purdue, a pretty good job yes. defending the run. They, I mean, I to give up 125 yards to this really good rushing offense in Minnesota, I think it's a victory. Like, I, yeah, I mean, that's I think I what they went out to do, and I think they accomplished that. 35 carries it took Minnesota to get to 125 yards, 3.6 yards per carry, which isn't great, but you you do have to give the Minnesota offensive coaches the credit for sticking with the run as much as they did because I do think it chewed up enough clock and kept it for them. Switching over to Purdue for a little bit, Aiden O'Connell, 34-52, 371 yards, one touchdown, one pick, because, of course, Purdue 
again, could not run the ball. I think we set the over-under at how many carries they would attempt at 25. They went over that by quite oh, a bit. They had 34 okay. carries, so only one so less. They're at least giving a, a they the were. college try. They were yeah. trying. There was a couple times where King Daru would kind of— Well, I thought he had a good game. He did look like, pretty good. And it, I guess in a— like, I was going to rip on the rushing game, but I would say they actually kind of took a step forward. A, I, I will say they at least took a step forward where it looked like they were they were trying to give it a shot. You well, know, 21 for, carries for 95 yards yeah. is a pretty good, pretty solid stat line. I agree. And by the way, that guy's got some moves. In he the, does. In the rain on that field. He does. He was planting his foot and, and somehow juking Purdue, people. Somehow Purdue likes to find the bigger dudes that you don't expect to be nifty, and they're nifty when you least yeah. expect it. That's kind of their thing that they look for. But in the end... Um, Minnesota won the game. Minnesota deserved to win the game. Um, uh, shout out to uh, freshman Justin Wally, cornerback. Yeah, I was going to point that out too. Like David Bell still got his, okay, because he's David Bell. Right. Uh, Purdue without David Bell is a scary thought for Boilermaker fans. <laughs> right. Right now, like they desperately need that guy on the field. I'm not even 100% sure how 100% oh, he, I don't know. he was. I don't think he was 100%. Okay, you kind of picked up on that a little bit, too. It, it, it seemed to get better as the game went on, but he was invisible early, it seemed like. Right. But then they're like, Dave, if you don't get out there, right. we're, we're toast. Right. So, anyways, I'm not saying... I'm not saying they're forcing an injured player out on the field. David Bell has the control to be out on the field if David Bell doesn't want to. So I don't, I don't mean to take it by that. But with that being said, Justin Wally came up with a, a big play in the second half, knocking a touchdown pass away. Yeah, a away. couple passes defended. Yep. So and, um, and then a missed field goal by Purdue right there was a big uh, momentum swing for the game. There was little plays that happened. They happened in favor of Minnesota, but in the end, Minnesota deserved to win the game. Yeah, and, and first halftime de- deficit for for PJ Fleck. First win after being down at halftime while at Minnesota. Shut the front door. Yeah, I must have missed that. First time that he's trailed at halftime and won a game wow. for the Gophers. So that's a monkey to get off the back. And another thing too is they needed that win. I mean, that was a bad taste in Gopher Nation's mouth oh, after gosh. losing to Bowling Green. So they needed this win. That was a big. They win needed for Minnesota. the win. And speaking of wins, Purdue's another team. That I'm going to point out. There's winnable games left on their schedule. They, they still have a, a bowl potentially in their future. I think we're deep enough into the season where we can both say Purdue is a better team than what we thought they were. Yeah, and the, you know what? They're and it, it's their defense. Their defense is better. Okay, so it, now they have three out defensive coordinators. Why not five? <laughs> Just it'll start to become a top five defense. <laughs> seven minute ads, seven. man. With the win, Minnesota moves to three and two. With the loss, Purdue drops to three and two. Next game up, Illinois twenty-four, the Charlotte 49ers fourteen. The Illini with four hundred and twelve yards of total offense to the 49ers two hundred and seventy-two. Uh, in the early two thousands, there was a band that had a couple good tunes called "Good Charlotte," but on Saturday, it was mostly bad Charlotte. Yeah. But good Charlotte was pretty. I would call them bad Charlotte. Yeah, they were pretty bad. They're not going to wind up in the racket roll. <laughs> they were such posers, total posers. <laughs> but there's one song I really like. I think it's if I give you couple... hell, if I give you hell. Okay, I was like that, that them? That's, I like no, that. They, a couple I think of their that's songs, good Charlotte. I don't, I don't know. It might have <laughs> been. Yeah, but a couple of their songs were pretty catchy. But they like oh, tried yeah. to tried to. But there there was that there was that uh, uh, part in, in the early two thousands where. Every band sounded like frat boy band. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, okay, so... Um, Where do we go? We're switching yeah, over yeah, to the yeah, game. Yeah, football. So, by the way, the, so my team won, but I, I bet against them. I bet I bet 
on Charlotte plus 11. Yeah. And that was my lock of the week. Yeah. And they won by 10. So I won the bet, but my team still won. Yeah. This was a great. That's as good as you can hope it comes out. That's as good as you can get. Um, so watching the game, right? Um, oh, the anthem. That That's the one. Anthem? That's the anthem. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyways. Uh, okay. We talked before last week, and we said that the advantage that that the Illini had over Charlotte was the rushing attack. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> they, they the only thing that stopped Illinois in this game was Illinois. I felt like Illinois could have racked up service academy rushing totals if they wanted to. I think there was times where just because, hey, we need to work on our passing game, we better do that. And, and, and at times, I, you know, I think Brandon Peters looked pretty well, good because that's what he does. I know. Brandon Peters can make big throws like once a game or twice a game. And then he just makes throws that just he goes missing head spinning. I mean, we have a quarterback problem. I understand that. I don't know. I don't think there's anybody on the roster that's going to fix it no, right now. There's to not. me, Brandon, Brandon Peters is your guy. I think you have to turn him into a game managing situation, like very scripted plays. But but and then also use his legs, too, on the I zone. Know. And I know he is apt to get hurt and get dinged up. But, dude, what I'm what I'm getting at is this. OK, the offensive line is not a well-oiled machine, no. but it looked better on Saturday. Well, and they it, have been they have been run blocking okay. They've been run blocking pretty yeah. good. And so that's your game right now. I mean, this is a rebuilding process. And you got Beatles two, just got there. You got two bell cow running backs. Bingo. And that's where I'm getting and to. And this is I've been waiting for this Chase Brown, waiting for him to get healthy, waiting for them to start him, waiting Dude. for them to give him the carries. Finally they did it, and boy, he looked good. And in typical Illini fashion, it happens in a year where there's 14 good running backs oh, I know. in the Big Ten. So he's lost in the that's shuffle. Right. But this is Chase Brown is a damn good running back. And then the thunder to his lightning with Josh McCray. This is one of the best one-two punches for running backs in the Big Ten. I think so. This is your identity yes. for the rest Correct. of the year. And then lean on the passing game as to keep them off balance while you bring these wide receivers up. Every time a wide receiver for Illinois catches the ball, I'm like, who's that now? Who, who who's that? I I, it, I can't. I it's it's like an ex quarterback here. It's an ex right. a guy moved over. But well, so you it was, got that. It would have been easier to keep track this game because there weren't, wasn't a whole lot of catches being correct. Yeah, being made. Uh, Brandon Peters only uh, uh, completed ten of nineteen for seventy eight yards and a touchdown. But hey, no pick. But no picks. See, no, no picks. That's good. And I like what you're saying there. Like just there, say, there, Brandon, but I'm just saying there is an identity there. There is. I know. And I've been begging for an identity for Illinois football for decades. So I hope this keeps going. But Daniel Barker <coughs> caught a touchdown pass. He's the all-time leader at Illinois for tight ends. Touchdown. But You're kidding me. Nope. Wow, that's quite the stat poll. How about it? Yeah. I mean, he's, good, he's a good-looking tight end. No, he's he gonna is play, He's going to play on Sundays. Yeah. But in the end, Illinois was the better team. In my estimation, I so I won. I, I got. I was right on this one too, where I took uh, Charlotte plus the eleven. By the way, they win by. Illinois wins by ten. Freaking desert people. This was an Illinois cover <laughs> to me that they just yeah, no. didn't play well enough to. Cover. Right. The, Illinois is at least two touchdowns better than Charlotte, but it wound Which up is being frustrating. 10 points. It as, is as an Illinois fan, like. But you needed that win. You needed to get to two. There's a big difference between one and two wins, and now you got a little bit of feel good juice going for a, little, a couple more. But it's it. I, I was disgusted being down at halftime. I understand that, but it wasn't because you weren't the better team. It was just because you were playing kind of cockapoopo. And I want to point out Kirby Joseph again. 
showed up. The number 25 on defense had a fumble recovery. That guy has been, he's one of those guys just out of nowhere makes a huge jump. And I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up. In general, what what are we talking here? Three games in a row. That Illinois- yeah, three games, 20 or less points given up. That's the first time since 2011 they have done that. 2011. Which is weird because there was a defensive-minded coach that Illinois hired the previous regime to be a defensive-minded person. Shocking that it only took Beetle six games in. I mean, that's crazy when you think about it. That to me means... So the- that's the most encouraging thing I would say. Okay, so you you kind of scoffed. There was there was scoffing at me when I said that this is a better-looking uh, coaching staff compared to the last one. You're like, is it? Yeah. It is. This is a better-looking staff. I would be more concerned about somebody picking some of the staff members off if I was an Illini fan. To me... Well, they can they, they can take the offensive coordinator. We, we'll find another one. That's true. But <laughs> point point I'm trying to make is if there's... I believe there is uh, um, chess pieces that are available there on the defense that they have found. It seems like it. It's a so I'm I'm honestly a little bit encouraged by Illinois. Their defense looked good uh, two weeks ago. They just couldn't pull out the win. Yep. The defense looked good again this week. Get build on that identity on offense with the rushing attack. There's something here to, to for Illinois to look a little bit better by the end of the year. I think so. I honestly do. I'm not, I'm not trying to just blow smoke. Be nice just to get a little bit of quarterback play. Just something. Give me anything. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Oof. Now that I'm that I'm trying. I, I, I think, will say. I think what you see is what you, I think we would have seen it from Brandon Peters before. I think what you see is what you get. I know, like you know, at, at the second string quarterback is always the most popular guy on a bad team, right? And people have been calling for Art, and I'm like, eh, it doesn't matter. We don't have a quarterback, Art, Brandon, whatever. But I feel like maybe Brandon's hurting us more than than Art would right now. Okay, we'll see. We'll see how that plays I, out. I, j- j- I made that decision this week. I wasn't feeling that before this game. Now I am. I'm like, so I, you know, I was excited to see Brandon Peters in a scheme that I felt like fit his skill set. He somehow has gotten worse. He needs to be in rhythm. But that's where the rushing attack comes in. Mercy. With the win, Illinois moves to two and four. Next game up. Speaking of mercy, Michigan thirty-eight. Wisconsin, 17, the Wolverines with 365 yards of total offense to the Badgers, 210. This is a little theme I'm going to have here. It's called trust your eyes, not your scars. So this is trust your eyes, not your scars, part one. Okay. Um, My eyes have been what I've seen out of Wisconsin so far this year. Yeah. But my scars are what lead me to think they're going to pull this together. I mean, I have the exact same thought process going on in my head. That's what. But but this for this game, if you remember, I'm like, I don't trust that anymore. I'm I feel like you were ahead of Michigan me is the team that I have the feels for, and Wisconsin, I just don't have it. Even though the, all this, I got all this history saying that Wisconsin's gonna get it together. I just didn't feel it. I didn't have a feeling. I had a feeling let's, for Michigan. Let's uh, let's give credit first, right? Let's start with the winning team. Michigan has an identity, right? They run the ball, and then they have timely play action or or the passing play attack. Play action, that's a thing, huh? It is a thing. It's not illegal. It's still, it's still you can still, still do it. Still allowed in American huh. football. Cade McNamara, seventeen of twenty eight, one hundred ninety seven yards. Not eye popping numbers, but two touchdowns. Okay, but no we picks. said. Whoever is able to throw the ball better is going to win this game. And it was Michigan. And it was Michigan. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, it was Without Michigan. Without a doubt. I, and then J.J. McCarthy comes in, just bombs okay. one. Okay, so hold on. <laughs> hold on. I, wanna br- I, don't, I, I have to bring this up because it's on my mind. 
They have a good rush offense, right? They've been struggling throwing the ball, but Cade McNamara's looking better. But does JJ McCarthy open it up a little more, yes. like to a next to another level? Yeah. Should he be playing? I'm not yeah. coming down on Cade our, McNamara. Our, our guy Jordan has been calling this since August, July, even I think. I feel like that adds another dimension to their offense potentially. I I don't know. I just I think it's I think him? we've seen enough to see that JJ McCarthy is the future. Uh, yes. Oh yes. But it. It's an easier call <laughs> from two podcasters' point of view than it is Jackie Pants. I mean, he, he, you're putting a true freshman. You're giving the keys to one of the most storied programs in the Big and Ten. And they're playing true well. Freshman. What if it goes badly? You're going to look like an ass. Like, it's not broke. Don't fix it. Right. So, and dude, it, it and Michigan rushing the ball, right? It, it was a struggle bus, okay? kind of was. 44 carries, 112 yards. It's Wisconsin. Right. Nobody's going to run the ball By the way, you versus were, you Wisconsin. Were, you were right about the rush yards. I, I was going to set the over-under at 154.5. Yeah, went, went way under that. That's just yeah, how good Wisconsin's right. uh, rushing attack is. Uh, shout out to wide receiver Cornelius Johnson. Yeah. Only two catches, but he made the most of them. Two touchdowns, 47 yards total. I think we've talked enough on Michigan. Like They have an identity. Their defense is dangerous. It's pretty darn good. It, it, mm-hmm. it will disrupt certain type of offenses. There is enough here for a lot of wins for Michigan and an upset here and there. I mean, this is a good team. Dax Hill showing out. Yep. Aiden Hutchinson looks Aiden great. Hutchinson's amazing. They, the linebackers were playing pretty well, too. Now, part of why the linebackers and all the defensive guys you just named look good is because they're going against this Wisconsin offense. And That's a good point. The first thing to point out, I mean, like, I don't know, you start listing off things in college football, um, Texas recruiting, uh, Alabama, Wisconsin's offensive line. Sure. Th- these are things that just death taxes type of deal, but not this year. They're not this, good. This they're not just good. a average offensive line in general terms of offensive lines, it's probably below average, right? This is a below average yeah. offensive line. So by Wisconsin standards, this is one of this is a historically bad. I mean, I can't remember. Line. I'd have to go way back, probably pre Rose Bowl nineteen ninety three to find a pre-Berry. worse Pre-Berry. offensive line than this. This is pre Barry. Has yeah. to be pre Barry, right? Or or early Barry. I mean, forty three yards rushing on thirty two attempts. I don't care who you're playing. I don't, Michigan's good defense, but I don't care. That's putrid. I mean, they just, and, and again, I, the scars thing, I just was like, Michigan has got a good defense, but it's not a defense that you can't poke holes in right. a little bit. So I'm like, this is a perfect week for Wisconsin to get a couple things figured out. I didn't think they would blast Michigan for 250 <laughs> yards rushing, but 43 yards on 32 carries. And, and they gave up six sacks. It's both sides. They, they got their freaking quarterback killed. The Grant, and, and Graham Mertz didn't look like... He's terrible. <laughs> I mean, 8 of 15, 115 yards a touchdown. He got hot. Like, Well, right, he had that... That touchdown pass was beautiful. Gorgeous. Like, he all of a sudden... What, that's what's got to be so frustrating as a Wisconsin fan. Kind of like Brandon Peters. You see him make a throw like that. Like, oh, okay, there's the talent. But then he just... I don't know. He, he, do, he doesn't have it all together I mean, upstairs, to me, I to me... He's he seems like a fantastic seven on seven quarterback in that yeah. the deep passes, maybe deep intermediate passes, he zips those in. But when it comes to when they take that away from him and he's got to start reading intermediate and in, he struggles. 
Yeah, well, okay. You that's think my that's take. what it is? Because I, I saw Chase Wolf throw that nice touchdown pass also across the middle, and I'm like, Graham Mertz has the ability to do that. He just doesn't do it. Because of what I just laid out. Okay. I don't think he's comfortable doing it. I think defensive coordinators have adjusted. We don't know Graham Mertz's health status as of right now. I mean, he went to the hospital on yeah, Saturday did. evening, so hopefully he's saying, okay. Yeah, I hope he's okay, but I've been saying I, I kind of want to see what this looks like with Chase Wolf, and I think we're going to see that now. I think so. Um, Chase Wolf also threw a pick. I think he's. He some, I think he's something which like, was a bad pick. I think he's got something like twenty career attempts, and he's got four interceptions. Okay, maybe let's hope Graham gets better. We'll see. I mean, at least Chase uh, does add the legs. But long story short, this Wisconsin defense deserves better, and I believe it will just will them to win more games in the Big Ten before the end of the year. But you just can't keep putting all the pressure on the defense well, that, all so the time. And then then does it cause a division? I, you know, I, I I don't want to go too deep into it, but like there were Iowa teams where the defense was quite a bit better than the path that the offense when I was at Iowa, it gets tense. Yeah, I'm sure it gets a little gets chippy tense. on the sideline. I imagine. Yeah. Like it's not as bad during the week as you think it is. Cause I think, you know, hope springs eternal, but when it gets to the heat of the battle on Saturdays, Oh, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, with the win, Michigan moves to 5-0 and and into the top 10. With the loss, Wisconsin moves to 1-3. and We are going to be the second week in October, and Wisconsin does not have their second win. Hey, Illinois has more wins than Wisconsin. Look at us. Crazy world. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip neat or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall on game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. Next game up. Woof, Ohio State 52, Rutgers 13. The Buckeyes with 541 yards of total offense to the Scarlet Knights, 346. Can I pat myself on the back just a little here? Sure. I saw this coming. I did not. I I thought. It was was, as plain as day. It was like, it was like, did you ever see the movie Phenomenon? You know, where like that bolt of lightning hit him and he was a genius. That was John Oh, Travolta. I never saw that movie. Really? Oh, no. Watch it. You're like that. Really? It's okay. It's a good movie. That's what I felt. I just, all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, Ohio State's just going to look like Ohio State this weekend. Well. And and everybody's putting too much weight on how Rutgers looked versus a Michigan team who has a great identity, but they kind of just have one thing they're good at. Ohio State has two things that they're good at on offense, and boy, did it get flexed on Saturday afternoon. Well, I mean, everything's coming together for them. I was kind of the other school of thought. I was like, if there's a year that Rutgers can hang with Ohio State, this is it. And I, 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 I had the opposite feeling. I thought we were going to see not a, not a close game, but a somewhat competitive game. I tend um, to believe Greg Schiano thought like you did because every time they cut to him on the sidelines, he just had a look <laughs> in his face like, wow. I mean, it was it was a wow game. C.J. Stroud, by the way. So, you know, I can understand Ohio State fans' frustrations. There were passes he was missing. They're used. They're spoiled with great quarterback play. But I was like, okay, can we just be a little patient? I mean, this guy looks like a five-star quarterback. Seventeen of twenty-three, three hundred and thirty yards, five touchdowns, zero picks. Speaking of another five-star, and by the way, Travion he- Henderson, eight carries, seventy-one yards, a touchdown. He, 
he's not compiling gigantic rushing totals because he only carries right. the ball like eight or nine times Correct. a game. He's got a nine-yard average. Chris Olave, yeah, pretty good game. Five catches, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Your boy, Garrett Wilson, three catches, 71 yards, a touchdown. The the entire of, uh, uh, playbook was available to the Ohio State Buckeyes early and often. Yeah, and I mean, C.J. Stroud just looked like he's correcting those those misfires. There were no misfires really in this game. Nope. He was on point. And it's good to see Olave come out, uh, hanging out with a mutual friend of ours this weekend. And he's like, what's wrong with Chris Olave this year? And I'm like, well, he's doing okay right now. I yeah. it just got his second touchdown pass, but it's, and it's I'm true. Assuming, like, I mean, I'm assuming defenses to a certain degree. We're trying to focus in on him. Um, yeah. In the end, it just, this is, and I hate to use it, but I mean, this is a more talented Buckeye team. On everybody they play, Rutgers' roster has improved a lot, but it just showed out. And then the other side of it, too, Noah Vedral, worst game of the year, 16-26, yeah, yeah. one touchdown, but three picks. I mean, the 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 um, Buckeye offense just kept having short side of the field and momentum. There was just nothing working on offense, and that's just kind of how it goes. Well, defensively, th- third consecutive game where they score a defense, get a defensive score, and the defense... It just looks like they've figured something out. Something out. I mean, in my mind, what I think they've quote-unquote figured out is I do think they've gone to more of that too-deep shell. Uh, that, okay. that just playing, keep it in front of you. Let, let the, the athletes, athletes make plays. I don't know why it's took them this long <laughs> to get there. You've got a good All they dump. needed was Spencer Tillman. Just give them some advice. <laughs> it so. must have been. They must have been listening to the broadcast. So Isaiah Pacheco, I still can't figure this out. I mean, it's not like he's injured. He, he had six carries for eight yards, but... It's, Something's wrong there with him. Yeah, it's like, I, I, he's a little bit hot and cold, but my take is that Greg Schiano is not the type of guy to say, we're going to, now that the game's over, we're going to work on something. Greg Schiano is like, we're going to keep doing what we do or what we need to do to get into the game. And if yeah. it means we've got to toss the ball, 50 I mean, I guess times, that was it, right? That's it. Yeah. And they just got away from the rushing attack. Now, Sean Gleason, that, that ties into it, but like, I don't know. The fit. What's going on? Look better last year. Yeah, have the I or the uh, Big Ten defensive coordinators kind of adjusted to what Gleason? Maybe I don't know. I'm a little bit nervous for the Sean Gleason office moving forward. Okay, well, Aaron Cruikshank had a big game: three catches, 102 yards, and a touchdown. Defense that I I love this Rutgers defense. They got a little exposed here. A little exposed. It wasn't a good matchup. Not not a good matchup. Although Alagule Farakasi. Ten big tackles. That's as what he usual. does. That's what he does. Because that's what he does. But Bo Melton, he he was invisible. No, they took him away. Yeah. With the win, Ohio State moves to a suddenly dangerous four and one with the loss. Rutgers falls two, three, and two. Next game up, Michigan State 48. Western Kentucky 31. The Spartans with 519 yards of total offense to the Hilltoppers, 500. And 60, so I, I nailed my Amador double barrel lock of the week. Uh, the over, the okay. over was on that. I didn't get to do this, but yeah, I, nailed, I nailed mine. You hit it too. I'm three and two. You're three and two as well? I don't know what the hell I am. I think you're three and two. Ask Juan. He's keeping track. Juan does a good job of that. Thanks again, Juan. Um, I did. Now, the funny thing is, is I nailed the over. I had a predictive score of 44 to 34. So how close was I? It was only four points off with Michigan State and four Pretty good. points off. Yeah. But those four points in either direction, 
I lost the I had Western Kentucky covering. Okay. So I was darn close to I had the feel of the game. Anyways, I, I thought we would get back to what Michigan State likes to do, which is move the ball all over the place. They were doing that on Saturday afternoon. I mean, Saturday night, isn't this me. just what we predicted for Michigan State this year? A great team that's offensively explosive, but, you know, can get touched up defensively a right. little bit. I know. It's just so weird that this is happening, right? And it's, by the way, it's this, fun. It's, I, this is one of the best stories in college football. Michigan State. Yes. Be, be, and I'm assuming part of that story for you is the fact that Mel Tucker is really kind of his first year into this thing. I, I really like Mel Tucker now. He's doing a great job. I like when he gets interviewed. I'm like, that is one cool cat right there. I think Mel likes being the cool guy in the room. Okay, what we need to do in the off season, we need to do the the rankings of who you'd want to drink with again. Yeah, Mel be out there. I don't want to give anything away, but he'd be really high on my list. I'll say this much: you better be a cigar smoker. Yeah, I guess he likes those cigars, doesn't yeah, he? Definitely likes those cigars. Peyton Thorne. 20 of 30 for 327 yards. One touchdown through the air, one on the ground. Kenneth Walker back doing Kenneth Walker things. 24 carries, 126 yards, three touchdowns. Want to make sure I mention Jalen Reed. Four catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. The Stars were out, and they did their job on uh, offensively on Saturday night. Yeah, just to, to correct you, though, Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed. Did I say Jalen? You said Jalen, I, I think. Sorry. But yeah, Jaden Reed. God, I can't again. I just disrespect him. In, sorry. I'm going to get we, it right. Yeah, we got We need to like write a formal apology. I know. I know. Kid. My bad, Jaden. But Jaden Reed. Uh, the first it's Jalen Naylor. That's what I did. Jaylen oh, Naylor. right. Okay. Yeah. okay. Makes sense. Anyway, first, first touch of Michigan State for the game. Punt return touchdown. I mean, dude, there's got to be some sort of record, like first play from scrimmage touchdown yeah. in it. Like. Haven't they done that in three games now? It's three now. I can't imagine. I can't imagine it's anybody's gone over three. I can't. That's I, literally. I think that's, so. that's literally a quarter of the of the yeah, of impossible. the available. It's insane. But now on the uh, the defense. Okay, Bailey Zappi, forty six of sixty four, four hundred and eighty eight yards. I mean, they are just. This is what they do. They just toss the ball. Right. The problem is when you get to the short side of the field, they're having a hard time punching it in. I mean, they had all kinds of yards in this game at one point. I mean, it was kind of late in the game by the time they got up to 31 points. They had they were in the teens yeah. for most of the right. game. So I feel like you got to give Michigan State's defense a little bit of credit where it's like, listen, this passing attack is going to get theirs. Just don't let them hit you for big plays because – if they if they don't get in from the twenty yard line out, they have a hard time getting in. So I, I want to give a little bit of credit to Michigan State's defense. They they did their job by and large. Yeah, so that's a good point. I mean, they were up big and and they scored a lot of essentially second half come from behind touchdowns. But I did want to point out Michigan State offensively, only one drive in the first half they didn't score a touchdown on. Uh, this is an amazing potent offense. Bad defense that they played, but yeah. they have looked like this offensively in spurts to pretty much every team they played except for Nebraska. But it is curious why they're not better on defense. I think they could be better than what – and we're trying to kind of I mean, I pump feel them like, up at the same time. They, we're missing something there. I mean, if you have – if like, what is it? I think it was four of their top six tacklers were defensive backs. That's a bad sign, but it's also a passing team. But – 
I mean, I the, the Hilltoppers carried the ball 26 times for only 72 yards. So that's only a 2.8 yard average. So okay. not a lot of available plays, you know, up by the line of scrimmage in this type of game. But I think, you know, talking to Dougie, talking to standing room Spartans on the offseason, I think they kind of both alluded to the fact that this defense had a lot of new faces yeah. in new places. It's it's still somewhat of a new scheme for them. So this is a work in progress for the defense. Like I I, I unless there is some sort of big um jump up on the defense, I'm not sure that they can get up to the winning a Big Ten championship sure. level. They don't look but like as that far yet. as entertaining on the way to improving. I'm telling you, man. This is, this, it, it, this is one of the most fun teams watching the Big Ten. No, this is, this is my favorite non-Illini team this year. The Michigan State. I'm fully on board with them now. Or is it just your favorite team in the Big Ten this year? Well, it's probably my favorite team in the Big Ten. Okay. <laughs> um, but, but strangely, I think my 1B team is probably Michigan. I know. And They're that's, fun that's to watch. definitely hasn't been your B team for the longest time. And I, you know what I didn't mention? Those blue britches look beautiful. You liked them. I loved them. I, I didn't like them. I did not think you would like those. We can't talk about Michigan while we're talking about Michigan State. I'm sorry. There's, there's I, a rule. I, I, I apologize, Sparty. Um, and, and I again, I, I I talk out of two sides of my mouth because I like me a good defensive battle. I like me a defensive coordinators flexing on the offensive coordinators. But every now and then, a guilty pleasure is nice, which is watching a team just explode on the screen. It's and fun. that's Michigan State. They're I mean, fun to watch. It's fun. And I, by the way, they're 11th right now. Again, if they had a different emblem on their jersey, Correct. if it was SEC, and they, they, this would be like a top five or six team. Absolutely. If it was like, like who would be like um, Texas A&M would probably yeah, be Texas a A&M decent, sure. like That'd how be... they got up there. Yep. I don't know. With the win, Michigan State moves to a fun 5-0. and Next game up, woof, Nebraska 56, Northwestern 7, the Huskers with, let me, let, let me pause here. Okay. 657 yards of total offense to the Wildcats, 293. Okay, this is trust your eyes, not your scar, part two. Yes, yes, Because my eyes were telling me this was a mismatch, but I could not bring myself to predict. And I guarantee I wouldn't have predicted 56 to 7, but I had like a 38 to 17 score in my head. And I brought it back because I'm like, because it's Northwestern. It's Northwestern. We might we might need to start it's, touching trusting our eyes here a little bit. Uh, you and I think you were doing it a little bit more than me in the last podcast as well. Well, I I did pick North or Nebraska to cover in this game. So you, you did. Yeah, I give you credit there. But it I didn't feel good about it because I'm like you just never know when these these sneaky bastards are gonna come up and bite you in the ass. Speaking of feel good, Nebraska fans are feeling pretty good with that 657 yards. That is the most yards a Pat Fitzgerald team has ever given up. Thanks Jim in Minnesota. It's also the most yards ever gained by a Scott Frost team since he's been in Lincoln. Sure. 56 points, the most points scored by a Scott Frost team since he's been in Lincoln. So, and it's what was the other one? It was uh something about Mark Oh, I maybe for I think for Northwestern is the biggest margin of defeat in the Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald there, really? I think so. Wow, I, I would. Okay, believe don't it. quote me on that. I'm not sure I mean, about that. 49 points. I I would think you'd be hard pressed to find a bigger blowout. It's the third time this year Northwestern's given up 500 yards. Something wow is wrong. In okay, do you know how any fan, any fan base, um, when they're feeling when they're feeling good, you know, for a game, and they think we're gonna blow this this team out, right? But even if that team 
actually winds up winning by a lot. Let's say this team wins, you know, 42 to 10 or something like that. Okay. Typically speaking at this level of play, it's like 24 to three at halftime. And it, you know, like a late touchdown makes it. And then eventually that team just kind of pulls away. Yeah. This game is how fans want a game to look like. This game was 14 to nothing in a blink of an eye. It was over at 14 to nothing. There was almost no reason to watch this game unless you were a Nebraska fan. And strangely, Northwestern actually scored in the first quarter. It didn't even feel like it looking back at the game. That their score came in the first quarter. It was Which only, is crazy. It was only 21-7 at the end of the first quarter, but it seemed like more than that. And then Northwestern turned the ball over, which I'm not saying they were going in to make it 21-14, but maybe they could have made it a little bit more of a game. But that turnover that was forced there, that was it. And they just blew the doors off of them. I mean, where do you want to start? Well, Adrian? so you had mentioned Jim in Minnesota. Yeah. He, he DM'd me, and I was up north, so I wasn't, I wasn't even looking at my phone this weekend, but I finally got back to him. He pointed out Jaquez Yant, yep. the running back. Yep. He's like, that is Josh McCray. It's the same player. They yeah. look, they wear zero. They both have the same body. They both have the same running style. I think Yant's more, he's taller and more upright. I think McCray is a little bit more bowling ball, a little, little bit niftier, whereas Yant just kind of... Okay. He just kind of searches for defenders to run over. I, but they're both very good running backs. But he had 13 carries, 127 yards. 9.8 yard average. Wow. I mean, he's got speed for how big he is. By you the way, what? Ramir Johnson, yeah. 12 carries for 74 yards and a touchdown. Xavier Betts carried the ball one time, yep. jet sweep, took it to the house, 83 yards. How about this for a rushing total? 400 and 27 yards rushing versus a Pat Fitzgerald defense. I mean, that's that's Air Force Academy numbers right there. It's Naval Academy. And and I see a lot of, of naysayers saying, okay, it's Northwestern. Everybody relax. Like, Northwestern is down. Okay, don't get me they wrong. Are. They are. But sure. this is not a – this is – like, people were making them out to be UConn-UMass. This is not no, UConn-UMass. This is a proud program. There you go. With a history of playing great defense. You don't touch up Northwestern. Nobody just touches up Northwestern for 427 yards rushing. No. Everything was working on Saturday night in Lincoln. I mean, I don't I don't even know what to say. And I want to point out, I love these like traditional old school option pitches that they're doing. I that this Nebraska offense is getting fun for me to watch. I'm actually, I love Martinez out in space pitching the ball. It looks beautiful. I mean, I still feel like he is the offense. Uh, he is. Adrian Martinez, 11 of 17, 202 yards, one touchdown. He had eight carries for 50 yards. I swear to God, it felt like more yards than that. Right. Uh, three touchdowns, so four total touchdowns for Adrian Martinez. And then the defense, I mean, again, it, it's it has looked good all year. 37 yards rushing for Northwestern. And Northwestern came into this game running the that ball. That was their well. identity. That was their identity. That's they all they had. They couldn't. They stopped. Well, they 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 had to. I mean, they got to the point where so Ryan Holinsky, 25 of 39, 256 yards and a touchdown. To be honest with you, he, that was kind of encouraging. He actually looked pretty good at times. So isn't that our quarterback now? I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Figure By the it way, out. Th- there's another one. Did you see Carl Richardson came in? Doesn't that does that sound like the most Northwestern quarterback name ever? Like, I don't know what that means. I just don't. I just don't know what the quarterback. I can't figure it out. Like he's doing data analytics during the week, and they use the quarterback <laughs> on Saturday. You know, Carl Richardson. Yeah. Oh, oh, Carl. Yeah. He's definitely like in an office <laughs> doing like assistant. 
<laughs> yeah. Anyways, long story short. Okay. It wasn't like Nebraska played, you know, Alabama on Saturday night. This was a step down. But with that being said, if Nebraska looks like that, and I don't think a team can look like that every week, but if Nebraska looks 90% of what we saw on Saturday night, this is a team that can get really hot down the stretch. Oh, absolutely. This is a dangerous team. And only four penalties for 19 yards. That's nothing. Great job there. No turnovers. So playing playing a cleaner game, finally. I mean, look what happens. They'll make mistakes. Oh, good things happen. Can I say one thing? One thing. But it's not like just hooking up the electricity in your house. Once you just get it hooked up, you turn the lights on and they're good. I, I get that feeling from Nebraska fans. You need to maintain fans, the like, lights, are you saying? Right. You need to maintain. I, but I get the feeling they're like, okay, we did it. Now this is who we are forever now. I, I Okay. We're going to – it's still going to be a college football season where, you know, there's going to be bends and umps and downs and things like that, but very encouraging moving forward for the rest of the season. And wanted to point out Stefan Robinson Jr.? Had a big game at the wide receiver position for the Wildcats. Eight catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown. Maybe they found a weapon there. Could have found a weapon there. With the win, Nebraska moves to 500. They're 3-3. Three and three. With the loss, Northwestern drops to 2-3. and three. And, oh, by the way, Nor- Nebraska, the NU on the That's big, right. They win the, the NU Bowl. For the rest of the year. Rest of the year. They are, well, until they play next year. They until are they play NU. next year. Yep. Last game up, the big 10 game of the week was not much of a game. Penn State 24, Indiana 0. The Nittany Lions with 408 yards of total offense to the Hoosiers 264. Indiana's first time being shut out since the year 2000. Are you serious? Indiana's first time since 2000? Getting shut out. No Penn State did it. Wow. And I just want to say, I, I meant this actually as a compliment towards Penn State. I don't know if it was necessarily received like that on Twitter, but I don't even think this was high-level Penn State. No, it This was kind of flat Penn State. Well, the defense... Offensively, offensively. Yeah, offensively, they didn't look great. Now, I will say they ran for 209 yards, which is encouraging on a good IU defense, and they were balanced as well. 199 yards passing, 209 rushing. I kind of like that. But yeah, they didn't... They didn't pop offensively. And maybe they didn't pop offensively because they were so committed to running the ball. Could have been it. My take is maybe Brent Pry uh, turned to his head coach and said, we got this. So you do what you need. (laughs) I'm dead serious. Like, Like Indiana never threatened in this game. In the first half, Indiana had four first downs to six punts. Mm. Not great, Bob. And Penn, they, State's, Penn State's defense just owned them. I absolutely. Mean, they owned them. And Indiana was 3 of 14 on third down, 1 of 2 on fourth down. That's just not I how think, you win I football think, games. I think a stat Perk put out there is Penn State's first-team defense has only given up 56 points this entire year. Um, so it is – I, I still feel like Penn State's defense is a little bit undersold. Is that fair? I think so. It's a really good defense. Absolutely. Offensively, Jahan Dotson – Dude, he's Jahan Dotson again. Can I? I just want to say this: we we talk about how explosive he is all the time because he's explosive. His hands, he he does not drop footballs. I don't think he's got it. I think I actually read like pro football. I can't focus. think of one. He he doesn't have a drop this year. Like his is insane. So eight catches, eighty four yards, two touchdowns for him. Parker Washington chipped in with a couple catches, but yeah, I think I guess you'd want to see a little more offensively before you start considering them as like playoff worthy they're playoff worthy 
right now, I mean, they're the fourth ranked team in the country. They're playoff worthy. Are you saying Fair. like win the college football playoffs? I guess that's what I'm saying. And, okay. and Sean Clifford looked Thir- 17 to 33, 178 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, but it wasn't a pick that killed him. He's True. fine. I mean, there's more available plays there on the other side. Michael Penix kind of did 2021 Michael Penix things, 10 to 22, 118 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. Then he got, I think hurt, hurt ish, benched ish. Yeah. Tuttle came right? in. Is that kind of your take? Uh, a little yeah. Bit it too? just, yeah. I mean, what's the point of playing him at that I know. point? It was the game was over. Just put Tuttle in there and just, and, and he, he, you know, he's came not in, he threw a pick. Yeah. Rushing the ball. Hoosiers, 25 carries, 89 yards, 2.9 yard average. There's a running problem in the state of Indiana. There still is a running problem. Uh, this tweet from uh, Plan Sick Days. Penn State, Iowa, and Cincinnati are all in the top six. Indiana's played all three of them. Indiana's played half of the top six. Holy crap. Do you think that makes a difference? Uh, that makes a little bit of difference. I mean, it would it not be curious to see if it was a more, quote-unquote, typical year, which typically... Indiana would start out with your directional Michigan sure. team, maybe even another one before they got to Cincinnati. Correct. So take Iowa off the schedule, give them two patsies to get Michael Penix's confidence and literally his legs underneath them before playing Cincinnati. I, I, I'm I I'm a Hoosier believer. I like I sure, I, but I do think that is a big part of the story right here. And now it's going to be curious to see if Indiana can just rebound and get back to looking good because it's, it's still, they still got tough games left on their schedule. Talk about rebounding. Peyton Hendershot has rebounded this year. That dude, he, he, he was the one guy for me watching the game. I'm like, well, he showed up to play five catches, 88 yards. The guy's just, he's good. He's been he's good. Athlete. He's been on every game. It seems like yep. so far. Yep. That he's got that's, targets. That is a pro tight end right there. A good pro tight end, I think. And they're going to need it because with this struggling Hoosier offensive line, I don't see a rushing attack popping mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And quite honestly, it's not helping the passing attack either. I think the Hoosier offensive line is one of the bigger issues on the team, sure. which has led to, the, the mistrust that Michael Penix has had and why he's looked so skittish, but also play calling and general play of Penix. There is chatta with Hoosier fans. They, they're not happy with the offensive situation right now. Speaking of not being happy, going back to Penn State, Kevon Lee looked great. Eight carries, 74 yeah, yards. He's amazing. Go Where's Noah Kane? I don't know where Noah Kane's at. I don't know. It's, and, it's and I'm going to go ahead and cash in my Noah Kane card. Is he able right now? That's a, it was a, is it Kane was a good able? I'm not sure if he is. I'm What's gonna going I'm gonna save I, mine since you used it here, okay. but something's up. And I something's and I've asked there. the question to Penn State fans, they don't seem to know. We like Noah Kane. I mean yes. Noah Kane was a no. fun running back, so it's not like we're trying to call him out. We want to see maybe not next week, okay, but we sure. would like to see Noah Kane show out at some point. Absolutely. With the win, Penn State moves to five and zero with the loss. Indiana falls to two and three. All right, that brings us to our last part of the podcast, the week fee- week five Eisman candidates. We got a lot to go through here because there was a lot of points been put on the board this weekend. Jahan Dotson, eight catches, 84 yards, two touchdowns, doing Dotson things. Adrian Martinez, 252 total yards, four touchdowns. Chase Brown, got to give him a shout out. 274 yards total offense, two touchdowns. Spencer Petras, haven't seen him on this list at all, but 259 yards passing, 
five total touchdowns. That is winning quarterback play. C.J. Stroud, 330 yards passing, five touchdowns. Chris Olave, who he threw to, 119 yards, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker was back, running all over the place, 126 yards, three touchdowns. Our guy, Jaden Reed, four catches, 127 yards, a touchdown. I'm just going to give a shout-out to David Bell. I and, mean, And the punt return. Don't and the punt, the punt return. return. A punt return as well. David Bell just kind of just showed up on the field. Everybody knew he was getting the ball. Still caught it to the tune of six catches, 120 yards, no touchdowns. I want to give one uh, uh, defensive shout-out to Michigan linebacker David Ojabo. I hope I'm saying that right. Seven tackles, two and a half sacks in the game. He made a big difference, but I okayed it with my podcast partner. The Week 5 Eisman, we're going to dole out to the entire Iowa secondary. They were everywhere. And the thing is, Nobody had two interceptions. It was six people that had one interception. So isn't that almost, it almost makes it better because then there's not one or two guys. Absolutely makes it better. So six total interceptions, 20 tackles. Another thing, the the fumble on the kickoff return was also caused by a A Iowa defensive back. So Iowa defensive backs. We have to. We have to give it to them. But Riley Moss, Dane Belton, Jack Corner, Kayvon Merriweather, Terry Roberts, Quinn Schulte, all with an interception in the game. And this isn't an interception in the game versus a bad passing attack. This is an interception yeah. versus what probably most people would consider the second best passing attack yes. going into it. So I, I think I, so. Our week five and, Eisman goes to the Iowa defensive backs. And I think my favorite Eisman awards are the ones where, where we give it to a defense or to a, a group or specialist. Like I think we've done specialists at, before. Yeah, we, we have, maybe? as yep. opposed to just like a single offensive player. I kind of, these are my favorite ones. And I still think it fits under the big game performance deal. We like to air towards big games. Yes, this we was do. Two four and teams Friday night game. I mean, it was a big game for the Maryland football program. So it, it, it checks all the boxes. I think. Absolutely. All right. Like chase Brown, great performance, but it's against Charlotte. Charlotte. Yep. Um, but two, he passed Red Grange, by the way, for yards in a game. <laughs> did he really? He did. They didn't. I don't think they ran as wide open offenses back it's then. A little, no, it's a little sure, more compact. A little bit more compact. I am Jeffrey the Greek. I'm Big Kurt. This has been the Eyes on Big Podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. We'll talk to you soon.